0: What's the army of Jericho like? Are there any weaknesses in the city that we can exploit? Uh, Joshua 2 is a spy drama uh, of the highest order, a little bit like James Bond. But uh, if you are a careful reader of the Bible, uh, you will know that the last time Israel sent spies into the promised land, well, it was an absolute disaster. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 13. Uh, but there, uh, after they send spies into the promised land, uh, due to the unfaithfulness of the people of Israel, well, they are judged by God and they end up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years until every last adult who came out of Egypt falls dead in the desert. And so when we see a uh, mention of spies here, I think we are meant to be asking, you know, will this be a repeat of, of what happened back then, you see? Uh, further, I want you to see that the location is important. Uh, we are told again in verse 1 that the spies are sent from a city called Shittim. Now, um, hands up if uh, you, uh, you know what happened in the city of Shittim. Uh, last time this city is mentioned in the Bible. Anyone remember? Uh, You can't talk to me at the moment, can you? So I'll I'll just tell you. Um, Last time Israel was in Shittim, again, it was an absolute disaster. Uh, We are told in Numbers 25 that the men of Israel uh, engaged in sexual immorality with the the pagan women in in that city, and were enticed to worship the pagan god Baal, which led God to wipe out uh, 24,000 of His plague uh, of His people through a plague, which was His judgment on them. And so again, we are meant to be asking, uh, when we read the word Shatim, uh, will this be a, a repeat of what happened back then? Now uh, it doesn't look good, does it? <laughs> because uh, did you notice? when these spies go into the promised land and into the city of Jericho, where they end up going. Uh, We are told again in verse 1 that they go straight to the house of Rahab, who is a prostitute of all people. What is going on here? Uh, Some people think that this is a completely innocent encounter. Uh, You know, some Bible commentators suggest that The spies are not really doing anything wrong here. Uh, You know, a brothel seems to be a good place for spies to hang out and get some information about the city and and so forth. But friends, uh, I want to suggest that actually uh, these two Israelite spies are not as clean as what we might think. In fact, uh, it's hard to see in our English translations but uh, this Hebrew text is, is full of sexual innuendo with words like uh, sleeping. Uh, the word uh, for lodging there, I think, is the word sleeping. And uh, a number of times you, you encounter the word entering in this part of Joshua to suggest that the spies were actually using Rahab's services, so to speak. It's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, these two spies are sent into the promised land on a righteous mission. But they end up no better than James Bond in his sexual immorality. But it gets worse because it turns out that these spies are completely incompetent in their work notice that the spies in verse 1 are sent into the city secretly. But in verse 2, well, it's a pretty open secret, isn't it? Uh, For the king of Jericho uh, hears about them and he sends his henchmen to Rahab's place to seize the men. It doesn't look good for uh, these these spies, these Israelite spies, does it? Uh, It does seem, doesn't it, that this will be the end for them and ultimately the end of God's promises to the people of Israel, of the land. But, friends, here's where I want you to see that the most unexpected thing happens. Well, We are told in verse 4 that Rahab had hidden the two spies in the roof of her house when the king's henchmen knock on the door, And uh, she proceeds to tell a lie to throw uh, the king's men off the scent. Uh, In verse 4, you can see it there. Verse 4, she says, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. And miraculously, uh, the henchmen end up believing the lie of Rahab and uh, are sent on a wild goose chase uh, for these two Israelite spies. Now, friends, uh, at this point, uh, it is easy to get distracted by the lie that Rahab tells. Uh, There's been lots of ink spilt on, you know, whether Rahab's lie was excusable Uh, In the circumstances, I've seen lots of papers published on whether Rahab's story teaches us uh, about whether it is ever okay to lie, especially if it means, you know, saving another person's life. Uh, This week, I read the true story of a young boy in Melbourne uh, who came across a woman uh, lying across the train tracks. Uh, She was about to take her own life. Uh, And the story goes that the woman told this woman that the next train was going to come in half an hour. Now, he was actually telling a lie. But uh, what happened was that the the woman believed him and uh, got off the tracks and uh, started talking to this boy. And he ended up apparently saving her life. Now, what would you do in a similar situation? Uh, Does the story of Rahab have anything to say to us? It seems like people are fascinated with uh, wrestling with these kind of questions in in, in this passage. Uh, But, friends, I I want to suggest that the purpose of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 2, that is, is not to give an answer to our ethical curiosities at this point. Uh, You see, this part of Joshua is not a set of moral instructions that, excuse lying in in particular circumstances. Rather, it is is simply a description of what Rahab did in the heat of the moment, which, uh, frankly, you and I might have done as well if we were confronted with a similar choice. Uh, Now, given that the New Testament upholds Rahab as a model of faith, Uh, Perhaps the best we can do is to agree with uh, John Calvin, who taught that even though Rahab was motivated by faith in God, well, her works were tainted by sin. In, In this case, the sin of lying. And, friends, isn't that our experience as well? You know, so often I am motivated by faith, but find that my works are tainted and not always as pure as uh, what I hope them to be. Uh, But friends, I I want you to see that uh, the big question in our passage this morning is not, you know, is it ever excusable to tell a lie? But the really big question is, why would Rahab, of all people, choose to lie in order to save these spies? I mean, it's a crazy thing to do, don't you think? Uh, Here is a pagan prostitute putting her, her very life at risk for these two spies who have not only taken advantage of her, but are on a mission to destroy her city. By any law, what she did is an act of treason, punishable by the most severest of penalties. Why would Rahab do such a thing? Was it because she felt sorry for these two men? Was it because she fell in love with them? as Like, you know, what often happens in spy dramas? Well, the answer that we are given in this passage is that it was actually none of those things. But it was actually because Rahab had come to put her faith in the promises of Israel's God. It was because Rahab had come to put her faith in God's promises. Uh, We see this in the next part of our passage, which is uh, a flashback to some of the things that Rahab had previously said to the spies. Um, You see, the the writer of uh, Joshua often uses this this narrative technique. He, He tells a little bit of the story, And then he gives a bit of a flashback uh, to something that happened before um, uh, that part of the story in order to fill in some of the important details that help you to understand what is going on. Uh, And here in this flashback, uh, we are given a glimpse, a small glimpse into the nature of Rahab's faith. Uh, Notice that it begins with knowing with certainty that God's promises will come to pass. Now Rahab says in verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away from you. You see, faith is about being sure of things in the future that God has promised, you see. But how has she come to know these things? How has she come to this certainty? You know, is it through her own imagination? Has she had some extraordinary vision of God? Well, no. You can see there that Rahab has come to know these things simply by hearing about God's powerful work of salvation in the past. You can see it there in verse 10 where she says, For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and to Og, whom you devoted to destruction. You see, Rahab has heard that God has powerfully parted the Red Sea and rescued his people. And so she knows that the Jordan River is not going to actually an obstacle to God giving the people the the promised land further she has heard how God has powerfully destroyed some of these kings and and the people uh, of of, uh, that land who were God's enemies and so she knows that it's only a matter of time before God will destroy the people of Jericho, her own city her own people you see Rahab has come to know just how terrifying it is to be on the wrong side of this God. So what does she do? Well, she changes sides, doesn't she? You can see this in Rahab's astonishing confession, uh, which is um, right in the middle of chapter 2. I don't know whether you are aware, but in Hebrew writing, uh, the most important thing is often placed uh, right in the middle of the text. Uh, It's a bit like how the best part of the sandwich is the juicy meat uh, that that lies in the middle. And here in the middle of, of our passage, in verse 11, we find Rahab's confession where she says these words. Have a look with me at verse 11. She says, And as soon as we heard it, Uh, Our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heavens above and on the earth beneath. Uh, Do you see what she's saying here? Uh, She uses, notice, the the personal name of Israel's God, which is Yahweh, uh, or Lord in capital letters in our Bibles, And she says to these Israelite spies, uh, this Lord, this God of yours, well, he is the God of heaven and earth. In other words, she's saying your God is the only God in this world. And apart from him, there is no other God. And because she understands just how terrifying it is to be on the wrong side of this God, well, notice that she throws her lot in with the God of Israel and she casts herself upon his mercy and kindness. Now, that's why in verse 12, she asks the spies to swear an oath that when they enter into Jericho with the rest of the Israelite army, That they will treat her kindly when they come back to destroy the city you see friends genuine faith is not just about knowing things about god you know the people of jericho here knew all the right things about god they had heard exactly the same things that that rahab had heard but ultimately did nothing about it. That's why we are told that their hearts were melting in terror because they remained on the wrong side of God. But here what we see is this pagan prostitute changing sides, saying, God, I want to be on your side. God, my only chance is to cast myself upon your mercy and your kindness. And so, it is because of Rahab's genuine faith in the promises of God that she ends up serving God and his people by rescuing and saving the two spies. In other words, friends, genuine faith is always an active faith now this is not salvation by works but it is to say that genuine faith that is distinguishable from dead faith that is distinguishable from the faith of demons as the new testament puts it is a faith that will be expressed in works of service to god and his people Uh, You know, it's a bit like the famous bomb illustration. Uh, Hands up if you've heard the bomb illustration before. No one? Well, imagine uh, if I tell you that there is a bomb underneath your seat. Uh, If you have genuine faith in what I have said, then you will be active, won't you? You'll spring up out of your seat, you'll try and drag others out of the way, and you'll rush out that door. But if you do not have genuine faith in the things that I have said, then you'll be passive. You won't believe a word word of it. You'll just remain in the same place. You know, it's exactly the same when it comes to our relationship with God. You know, God promises the forgiveness of sins and the eternal rest of heaven for those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of heaven and earth. But genuine faith will always be accompanied by works of service to God and his people. And so, friends, do you and I have this kind of genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you and I serving God and his people in our lives? Or are you simply being passive? Has your faith made any discernible difference to the way you live your life? If it hasn't, then friends, today is the day to do something about it, isn't it, friends? One of the things Joshua 2 teaches us is just how terrifying it is to be on the wrong side of this God. So my plea to you is to align yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast yourself on his mercy and his kindness. And don't be passive. Be active in the way that you serve God, serve Jesus, and serve his people uh, in this world. Now, Uh, If you've been listening carefully, uh, you might realise that there is something that has yet to be resolved uh, in this story uh, so far. And that is, well, what has happened to these spies? Well, uh, the next part of our passage tells us exactly what uh, happened to them. Well, in verse 14, we are told that Rahab helps them to make a dramatic getaway. Uh, It turns out that Rahab... Uh, lives in a house that is actually built into the wall uh, of Jericho. Uh, Ancient cities were not, you know, like the sprawling metropolises that we find uh, in our modern world, but they were often fortified cities uh, with with strong walls to keep the enemy out. And so Rahab, who lives uh, inside the wall of of Jericho, uh, ends up letting the spies down the city wall through a rope, um, so that they can get away uh, as they scale down that wall. But you might notice that from verse 16 onwards, we are given another flashback of a, of a conversation between Rahab and the two spies uh, before they make their dramatic getaway. Uh, I don't think we are meant to think of this conversation as you know, taking place uh, as the spies are you know, dangling down that rope. Um, I think this is a flashback to a conversation that had happened earlier. Now, uh, we won't have time to look at this part uh, of the story in a great amount of detail today. Uh, But notice that in verse 16, um, Rahab gives the the spies some instructions about how to get away safely. Uh, And in verse 18, the spies give some instructions to Rahab to tie a scarlet cord in her window Uh, a red or crimson-coloured cord uh, in in her window so that when the judgment of God eventually comes to that city, when the Israelites come to attack that city, then they will know to spare the life of Rahab and everyone else who is taking refuge in her house. Um, It's a bit like what happens in Egypt, isn't it, Um, at the Passover? You know, the blood of the lamb is sprinkled on the doorposts of every Israelite house. And so uh, when God sweeps through in judgment and sees this sign, well, he spares everyone who is inside the house taking refuge, whereas all those who are not marked out as his people by this blood will suffer his terrifying judgment. And as we will see in following weeks, this is precisely what ends up happening in Joshua chapter 6. God gives the city of Jericho to his people, the people of Israel. They, They come in, they devote everything and everyone in the city of Jericho to destruction. But it is only Rahab and her family who are taking refuge inside her house with the scarlet cord who are spared from God's terrifying judgment. Now, now friends, I suspect that uh, after Rahab was saved, uh, she no longer lived as a prostitute. But uh, what we do know for certain from the genealogy of Matthew chapter 1 is that Rahab married a man called Salmon, And had a son called Boaz and Boaz became the great grandfather of the great King David and it is from the line of David that the Christ was born in other words in God's kindness this pagan prostitute called Rahab not only found a place in God's family but she was used in the most unexpected of ways to bring about God's plan of salvation into this world through the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. Or just like the scarlet cord, the blood of Jesus shed on the cross is able to shelter anyone who comes to him in faith so that they will be saved so that you and I can be saved from the terrifying judgment of God and be led into the promised land of heaven itself. Uh, you might know the well-known hymn "Rock of Ages," uh, which we're going to sing in a in a moment. Uh, it was written by an English minister called Augustus Toplady. Uh, the story goes that um, this minister was once caught in a fierce storm in a wild part of England. And so in his fear, he decided to seek refuge in in a gorge where this huge rock sheltered him from the storm that, that passed through. It reminded him of what Christ had done for him at the cross in sheltering him from the terrifying and terrible judgment of God for sin. And so he wrote this hymn expressing his faith in the rock of ages the first verse goes rock of ages cleft for me hide me now my refuge be let the water and the blood from your wounded side which flowed be for sin the double cure cleanse me from its guilt and power my brothers and sisters will you make this your prayer this morning and seek refuge in christ jesus and his death on the cross if you have never sought your salvation and your refuge in christ then do it today you know if god's kindness can reach into the life of a pagan prostitute like rahab with all her sin and shame And uncleanness, then, it is not inconceivable that God's kindness can also reach you as well. Well, friends, uh, how does this story end? Uh, Well, you see there that at the end of chapter two, that it ends with a note of assurance. The spies return to Joshua. And in verse 24, they confidently say to Joshua, truly, the Lord has given all the land into our hands and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away from us. Now, what has given them this confidence as they've come back from Jericho? Well, it's not their own morality, is it? I mean, these two spies were nothing but unclean and sexually immoral when they visited jericho Uh, neither is it their cleverness i find it striking that when they come back from their spy mission they don't actually have uh, much to report in in the way of what they've witnessed uh, in that city um, in terms of you know the, the layout of the city and so forth they don't come back with Um, a report on the defences of the city of Jericho. They don't come back with a report on um, the army of Jericho or they don't come back with some clever strategy for how they are going to take this city. No, they come back, interestingly um, and wonderfully, with the good news uh, that they have heard from Rahab about the power of the God of heaven and earth, shown in his ability to save his people out of his kindness and his destruction of all those who are not on his side. You see, friends, if you want to be sure whether you will make it to heaven, the only way is to look to the power and kindness. Of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for you and to put your faith in him for the one who puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the one who is the Lord of heaven and earth well just like Rahab it is that one that God promises he will never turn away as I put your faith in him and serve him, and serve his people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today. And Father, um, as the writer of Hebrew tells us, we thank you that um, uh, the offer, uh, or the promise of rest, Uh, in the promised land of heaven itself, still stands. Father, we thank you that uh, in your kindness, uh, you sent the Lord Jesus Christ um, to die on the cross, so that anyone who puts their faith in him might find refuge and safety uh, from your judgment on your enemies. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to put our faith in him, uh, help us not to be his enemies, but his friends. And, Father, please help us to be the ones who are active in our faith. Uh, please forgive us for the times when we have been passive. Perhaps there are some of us uh, for whom serving God and serving Uh, Your people uh, is not a high priority at the moment. We pray that you would give us repentance so that we might wholeheartedly and joyfully serve him and his people uh, for his glory and his honour. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.